if you have your Bible, pull it out to 1 John chapter 5. I want to pick it up there. We're getting close to the end of uh, John's uh, letter to this church, this group of believers. Um, and so one of the neat things is I kind of, I really liked how this letter ends. So we're going to spend some time looking at that over the next couple of weeks. But one thing that's interesting this morning, as, you, as you're going to get a chance to read, it's like John wants his audience to have a confidence in the future as well as the situations that are facing at the moment. So, you know, as you finish First John chapter 5, hey, I want to give you confidence for eternity, but there's some neat things in here that you can find confidence for the moment. So if you have your Bible, so I have the thought of confidence, and then I want you to look at that very first verse of chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I want you to stop there. So as you read, has been born of God, one of the other translations that I was reading, the New Living Translation, kind of phrased it this this way. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. Now that's really interesting as John's writing to a group of people that say, man, the, the world is this and society is this and live for yourself and there's a temptation. As you go back to chapter two, you know what? Don't love the things of the world. So John's reminding this group as they end their time together about becoming a child of God. So I started to think about that. What does it look like to be born again? What does it look like to be classified as a child of God? I was reminded of Nicodemus. And if you have some time, you can go back and look at John chapter 3, and you can read about Nicodemus. And most of us that we gather around the building are really, when we think about John chapter 3, we really think in John 3, 16. It's a great verse. It's really neat. But what's interesting is Nicodemus is approaching Jesus because he's, he's starting to realize, oh, he did this miracle. He did this miracle. He did this miracle. We can't explain this guy. We don't know where his power, his power must be coming from God. So I want to go have a conversation with this guy. So at nighttime, he shows up because he didn't want everybody else to know what was going on. Hey, Jesus, I've got some questions for you. Jesus says, no problem. Love to answer your questions. And as he's answering Nicodemus' questions, this whole thought of being born again, faith in Jesus, becoming a child of God, rolls out, and you got John 3.16. And so what's interesting is, as, as we're finishing up this time, John's reminding them that salvation is only found in one name, Jesus Christ, which I think we're all pretty aware of that. That's not like a catastrophic, oh, wow, this is crazy, because John chapter 14, verse 6, says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now was something that's interesting. If I would bring the microphone to you this morning and say, let's talk about salvation, would you be able to confess with your mouth the gospel? How would you phrase that? What would it look like for you? And so becoming part of the the, uh, child of God is really an opportunity for us to receive a gift. Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, The choice for all of us this morning is, will you accept it or will you reject it? So you either have to realize that you're a sinner, and then you're going to have to make a decision, receive the gift or reject the gift. So that's the first part of this beginning of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Believes that Jesus Christ has been born of God. Now, I want you to go on to this, this other part, or I want you to think with me about this other part. Okay, if I am received the gift... What is it like for you this morning in John's audience to say, what is it like for you to be a child of God this morning? 
you to think your way around this a little bit. What does it mean for the audience that John's writing to? I am a child of God. How? I receive the gift. What are the benefits of God being our father this morning? And I want you just to process this for a second. What does it mean for you this morning to know that the creator of heaven and earth is your father? How many individuals, as John was reading this passage of scripture, step back and say, wow, I got it. The sunrise, did you see it this morning? Did you see the reds in the clouds this morning? When we left our house this morning, it was incredible. How many of us walked really fast and said, well, I got to get to this, I got to go do this? Or how many of us paused and said, wait a second, that's my father saying good morning today. The little bird that was sitting over there. The two bucks that were on 635 this morning. Pretty nice bucks. If I would, was in deer season, maybe I would have swerved a little farther, but I wouldn't mind having some deer meat. Was it just coincidence? Was it just an accident? Or was it father saying good morning? And so what's interesting is we need to really wrestle with the concept because we are growing up in a generation, oh, I believe in Jesus. What does that mean? You're part of his family. You're a child of God. And so one of the neat things is when you go, when you go through that, you start to think about 2 Peter chapter 3. You start to wander around the scripture saying, you know what? These are some characteristics of my father that I get really excited about. These are things that really matter to me. That he's father of compassion. That you go back to Nehemiah in chapter 9 and verse 17, you remind yourself that he's a merciful and a gracious father. See, it's more than just, oh, I believe in you, Jesus. And I'm sure there were, there were people in John say, oh yeah, I'll just believe. But no, no, John didn't want you to just believe. He wants you to come to the realization, I'm adopted into a family. How? Receive the gift. I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to get it. I'm never going to be able to say to anybody, wow, this is what I did and I received salvation. It was a gift that was offered by God through Jesus for all of us gathering this morning. Have you received the gift? Well, most of us would obviously say, yeah, well, I've received a gift. Okay, now... The, there's characteristics that go with the gift. So if I've received the gift, and I want you to go back to 1 John chapter 5, read down with me a little bit farther. So he believes that he's a child of God, has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know, so there's two things, by this we know that we love the children of God and we love God and obey his commandments. So I've been adopted into a family. Hey, that's incredible. Part of being adopted into that family means I get to love my adopted brothers and sisters. There's a group around me that God has placed in my life. And because I've received mercy and forgiveness and my father's faithful, guess what? We can demonstrate that to the people that are around us. You know what's so fun yesterday? We celebrated Jesus in Stuart Boyd. It wasn't like, oh, let me tell you about all the the sales he had. I'm sure... And one of the things I want to do this week is I want to try to get hold of Matt because I'm pretty sure Stuart was pretty high up in what he did. There wasn't a lot of guys floating around Central Florida like Stuart Boyd. But you know what's interesting? 
I never knew about one of the rewards that Stuart ever, ever won. The only thing I ever knew that Stuart Boyd won was the Hot Wheels race car that we would have over here in children's ministry. He'd bring that little car in, he'd have it in his little box in his pocket, and he'd have this little cloth that was shining it, and he won that year. I don't think he ever won ever again after that one year. But we saw that car every year at Hot Wheels time. Because he was going to be there. That's the only thing that I ever knew that Stuart Boy won. But I saw a lot of other things in Stuart Boy's life. It was interesting. His boss said that this funeral is a reminder of everybody's death one day. And he hoped that his life with Jesus would be somewhat like Stuart's life. That was pretty interesting. CEO of a company saying, wow, I want this to matter to me. I want to love people the way Stuart loved people. Here's something else that's really interesting. What does it look like? So now I'm part of this family, free gift. I've been called to love the people around me. But then there's another step that's to this. There's a step that the user manual will be the instruction voice of my life. So he goes on to say, um, for, this is, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Hmm. So John wanted these people to know, here it is. Here's the gospel. Here's Jesus. So you can be part of the family. How? Christ alone. That's how you get it. Well, what are some characteristics of being in Christ? I'm naturally loving the people around me, and I will allow the word of God to be an instructional voice to my life. So if we were going to raise our hands this morning, how many of us men read instructions? So we get this new little playground set. How many of us are going to read instructions? Yeah, so we got one, one honest one. Bustamante, I know you. You're just going to knock the wall down. Yeah, I know. I was just going to mention that she told you to put your hand back down, but I didn't want everybody else to be aware of that sitting in the front row here. There's something inside of us that don't like to be told what to do. But once I recognize that the free gift has been given to me, I want my father to give me instruction. I want to hear his voice. And what's really neat is, is if you go, if you, so you keep walking your way around the scriptures, you can go to John chapter 14, verse 6, and remind yourself that you've been given, or that Jesus is the way, truth, and life. Let me go to the next page. Sorry, my notes. Then you can go to John chapter 16, verse 7, and Jesus is telling that group of believers, you know what, it's better for me to leave. Why? I'm going to send a helper. You're going to need help on instructions. So I'm going to send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. So in, in this first part of, you, of this beginning, you know what, if you're going to have confidence, well, it starts with the gift, receiving the gift. It's then demonstrated in a lifestyle, loving people, and... His word is something that we value. So I was thinking um, yesterday afternoon, and so um, for those of you that are online, I, we messed up first hour, and I, we showed a video clip off of YouTube, and they shut our site down. So those who are re, were re-recording this hour. So those of you that are online, in just a second, not right now, in just a second, we're gonna, you're going to be blank screen for about three minutes, and then we're going to show a video here uh, in our sanctuary. But I was reminded of this movie called Overcomer, and what was interesting was, uh, this, if you haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to give you the whole story, but you're going to walk into a scene in the movie 
a video clip in the movie where this student's going to be walking past the speech class. And so far, the speeches have been pretty pathetic. And this student's going to walk in, and she's going to give a speech based on her understanding of the gospel, which is really, really cool. So we're going to turn it over to Nancy, and then she's going to play this for you. So I strive not to survive, for I have the drive to thrive. For this day, while we're alive, high five. High five. Okay. Truxton, did you write this? Every word, completely original. Oh, yay, yay. Bonnie. I'm gonna need more. John? It's okay. <sighs> Thank you, Truxton. You can sit down now. While we're compiling our notes, the rest of you can get your things together. The bell should ring in about three minutes. Anna, you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Hannah Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me, just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own, so I'm chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace, just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. just wondering how many of you have that same sense. See, you've grown up in a generation where you just ask Jesus for forgiveness of your sin. That's part. You know what's really cool is? When you realize that you're a child of God. When you come to the place in your life that you say, wow, I am his. And what's neat is, is this next part of this verse is, you know, when I go to 1 John, I typically use 1 John and then go to chapter 5 and 11 through 13. I just love those verses. But as I was reading along, go back to your Bible. Read these words. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. How does that take place? And this is the victory that has overcome the world. I want you to see the next two words. The next two words talk nothing about character qualities, talk nothing about natural abilities, talk nothing about individual perseverance. The next two words are vital for you this morning. Our faith. And I'm wondering, as John's audience read that, there was this aha moment saying, wow, you know what? God, I really can trust you. I wonder if they jumped back into their mind and went back to Genesis and reminded themselves of Noah. And we all know the Sunday school part of Noah. He built a boat, right? Why? God asked him to build a boat. You go back to Genesis and you you think your way around Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice of his son. Is it there for us to just be in awe of Abraham and his faith? No. There's some things in there that we need to be aware of. So I want to show you a a phrase out of Genesis uh, chapter 22. So go back to Genesis chapter 22. You probably remember Abraham is on his way to this place to sacrifice he gets up early in the morning, and he's on, it, on the journey. And so just as your biblical imagination, think around this passage of Scripture. You've got, you've got Abraham. You've got Isaac. You've got wood. You've got fire. But guess what you don't have? A sacrifice. And the boy asks the question. His son says, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Well, son, that's going to be you. So I don't know what the conversation must have been like, but you know what we know is Abraham's old. Isaac's going to be bound up, placed on the altar, and Abraham's going to lift the knife. But I want you to see verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, He said, here I am. He said, do not lay another hand on your boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. Then I want you to just ponder a little bit with me. Go over to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Nobody's gifts and abilities, not what they've done, not if they knocked down the wall of Jericho. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So as I go back to my Bible, in verse 5, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So our time is over, and there's a couple things that I want you to see. The first part 
if you're going to have confidence going forward, you need to know adoption takes place only in Christ. Salvation is only found in one name. It's Jesus. And for some the second part, I want you to see this. How do we know if someone is adopted? How do I know somebody's been adopted by Jesus? You know how I know? They start acting like Jesus. I want you to think your way. I'm not saying salvation is your works. Okay? I'm not saying that. But because God and Jesus are my Father, I want to do what pleases my Father. So what has he told me? In this, in this these first five verses of chapter one or chapter five of first John, he has called us, you know salvation is found where? Christ. What do you want me to do? Love the people that are around me, get to know what my father wants to say to me through his word, and his word is not burdensome. But here's the last thing. Faith is making Jesus the hero of your life. Now, I realized this morning, for years, I would go back and look at the story of David and say, man, David was an amazing person. Look what David did. I don't do that anymore. David's not the hero of the David and Goliath story. David's faith in his God is the hero of the story. See, we are programmed to always want to be the hero of our own story. For, for our time that Susan and I have together, and so she works at the Y, and what's always interesting to me is, is people come into the Y and saying they're gonna work out, they're gonna do their thing. You know what they always do? It doesn't matter who they are. If somebody new walks into the Y, you know what they always do? They tell her what they used to be able to do so that they think they're pretty neat in her eyes. Nobody walks into the Y and says, you know what, I'm, I'm weak right now. Would you mind helping me get strong again? No, they don't do that. Well, you know, when I was, when I was 21, man, I did this. But yeah, but now you're 70. Well, yeah, but when I was 40, I did this. Yeah, I, you know why? They're programmed to always want to be the hero of the story. What is not natural and where the gospel gets really powerful and really fun in your life is you stop being the hero of the story. And you step back and say, all right, Jesus, you take center stage. I want this to be about you, not about me. So I've asked Pastor Jordan, he's gonna you know, uh, close us with a song um, this morning. You've already sang the word, so we're not gonna introduce you to a new song. But I want you to think about the words. And it's not going to be all the verses and all that stuff. But I, I really think this is an opportunity for you to pause. Because this is a chance in your life for you to say, you know what? I really don't need to be the hero. I really want Jesus to be the cornerstone of my life. And that's enough. See, it doesn't matter where you go doesn't matter what you do. It matters one day what the gospel did in you. Because see, that day is coming. You don't know when. I don't know when. 
But one day, there will be a memorial service. Will they be able to say, wow, Jesus was their hero. You know what we saw? Not an award, not a house, not a boat. I'm not against any of those things. But wouldn't it be neat one day that some kids stood up here and said, you know, my parents couldn't afford a boat, but that guy took me fishing. And over time, he taught me how to fish. And we caught fish, but you know what the best gift I caught? Jesus. That person taught me what it looked like to allow Jesus to be the cornerstone of their lives. So as Jordan plays, whatever he sings, whatever he does, pause this morning. Think about, is he really the hero of your life? Or are you still the hero?